Welcome to the Above and Beyond Recovery Podcast, where we explore recovery and its relationship to faith, family, work, community, and health. Hello, I'm Amber Didden, today's host of the Above and Beyond Recovery Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be sharing a recovery spotlight of one of the students in our long-term faith-based program. Cassandra has been in recovery for 10 months, and we're looking forward to learning more about her journey. We hope that listening to her story will help you better understand the recovery journey and bring you hope. Cassandra, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Cassandra, thanks again for joining us today. Um, we like to have these spotlights where we talk to people who are in the recovery process at different parts in their journey. Um, we've talked to people who are further along, people that are really brand new to it. And um, you and I were just talking a little bit before the show, and it sounds like you're kind of on the newer end of recovery. So. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, Teen Challenge is my first rehab. Okay. Um, I'm about 10 months in the program, so 10 months of sobriety for me. I feel like this is the first time in my life where I've been proud of myself for accomplishing something. So let's get to know you a little bit. What was it like growing up for you? Growing up, my mom was an addict and my dad was an alcoholic. Um, I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. So growing up, it was it was hard. It was very hard. Um, I'm the baby out of eight siblings. Wow. Like when I was little, everyone would t- do everything for me. And a lot of my sisters, all except one, are like older than me. So I, they all grew up and went out of the house really fast. So it was like everyone was there doing things for me. And then it was like there was no one. And um, my mom would, she had like five years of sobriety and it was nice. But right where she relapsed was when all my sisters were growing up and leaving the house. So it was kind of like my dad, my sister, and I. Everyone went from doing things for me to I don't know what to do for myself because everyone did everything for me. Um, So it was really hard. Um, My mom and my dad, you know, once they got a divorce, they there was a lot of custody battles. There was a lot of my dad had full custody of us, and my mom, she loved us. There's no doubt in my mind that my parents loved us, but she just struggled with her addiction so much and there was times when I would go stay in halfway houses with her I remember going to AA and NA meetings my mom was my mom she was my light like that was nothing she did was wrong in my eyes but um as I got older my dad kept us from her because he was trying to protect us um one time she got custody of us and we weren't allowed to go like we were grounded if we went and it was his way of protecting us but it was hard because um when I was 15 my mom passed away and she never ended up fully getting clean again um I feel like it was hard because she just gave up completely and my dad's drinking was at that point out of control he is clean now he's about four years sober so good for him and then in 10th grade, my um, dad had a brain tumor. Mm. So it was like kind of like I went from having all these um, role models mm-hmm. to no one. Right. Um, I was 16 years old. It was really hard. Um, my sister was working. or 16 months apart. Um, she was working, taking me to school. Uh, my dad owned a flooring business. We had to shut it down because um, he had a brain surgery and he changed entirely. So it was... It was rough growing up, um, and I feel like I never really was able to have a childhood. I feel like um, I 
I ended up getting pregnant at an early age. I was 17 when I got pregnant. I had my first son at 18. So that was, I feel like I was robbed of my childhood, honestly. So it was hard. And my sister went in a direction of she wanted to be the complete opposite of my mom, where I admired my mom. My mom was my best friend, and I didn't really understand. So tell me a little bit about, you mentioned that your mom had about five years of sobriety. How old were you during that sober time? Um, I was about seven until like the age 11, 12. Okay. Um, but my mom would... See, my dad was always at home with us at night. He would work during the day. My mom was always trying to keep herself busy because she didn't want to relax. So she did She did go back to college. She got a degree in business um, and accounting. And she um, went to a, like a lot of AA meetings, NA meetings. She worked as many jobs as she possibly could to keep herself busy. Um, there was, growing up, I went to a Catholic school. Um, we weren't Catholic. I think it was just my mom didn't want us to go to a public school. My mom did have a lot of faith. Um, so there was faith in the house, more my mom's side than my like dad's side. My parents didn't really show any affection towards each other. My dad slept on the couch, my mom in bed. So there was never any role model in that aspect either. So talk a little bit about the differences you started to notice between when your mom was sober and then when she started using again? What did you notice kind of happening, shifting in your home? Um, well, my dad had no desire to let her be in the house when she was using. And my mom, you know, when you're using, you get really skinny and malnourished. And she just, it showed really fast. And what would happen is she would leave for months at a time. And she would surface at, like, my grandma's house, her mom's house eventually. But my mom was a very loving, caring mom. Um, She was there more. She just wanted what was best for us. And when you're in addiction, you know, as much as you love your children, that addiction takes over. So she just wasn't there. Um, She was sleeping a lot if I did see her and my mom my dad always said my mom had this personality change you know um my mom was always ready to just party so it was like she would be in that mentality and she was more of a friend when she was using than she was a mom and then how old did you say you were when she passed away 15 15 and then um you had a baby when you were 17 a boy or girl boy a boy so your son was born when you were 17 So talk to me a little bit about how your life changed at that point. Tucker was born, and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Most mothers do not. (laughs) I feel like some things came natural, um, for sure. He was the love of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, that was it. Like, I never loved anybody the way I loved my son. Um, He was the light of my life. Um, And I had been with someone at that point. Um, he, he He was really good. He was there. He was great father to my son and he still is mm-hmm. while I'm here in the program I'm very grateful we got married and we got divorced but he has an amazing wife now mm-hmm. um, I'm very grateful for her she has been able to step up where I fell short so mm-hmm. it's been nice wow so um, your son was born at 17 and then what happened after that I 
have a lot of codependency issues so and a lot of mental health as well so I um really let like my depression and anxiety and codependency issues show um you know having hardly any parenting growing up I wasn't really shown how to be in a relationship how to be a mom so I just didn't know how to behave in general and um, we ended up moving, buying a mobile home. I ended up staying at home most of the time. There were times when I would get jobs, but I was never really able to keep a job. I ended up getting pregnant again and having my middle child. Her name is Haven. She's six now. I was I had her when I was 21. She is my mini-me. <laughs> she is amazing. Um, and my ex-husband has schizophrenia as well, so... Um, he has a hard time holding jobs and us both not dealing with our mental health issues was very hard so we ended up splitting up getting divorced and that's when I really started to take a nosedive into addiction um, I started I was 21 now my kids were going to their dads on the weekends I was going to party on the weekends and was going to the bars in the town that I was from there was a motorcycle club um, I ended up in the motorcycle club uh, that's where I started using cocaine, um, and I ended up getting with the president president of the club, and uh, he ended up moving in with me right away. There was a lot of um, using at that point, a lot, um, and I ended up getting pregnant again. Um, I was able to get clean during that pregnancy. We were together, and it was really hard. There was a lot of cheating. Um, there was a lot of things that just weren't good and I still wasn't taking care of my mental health and she was born and that's my youngest her name is Kaylin she's four she's beautiful as well as soon as I was in the hospital I started using again right away and um me and him ended up getting married and as soon as we got married things changed he things just got worse there's a lot of physical abuse a lot of mental abuse a lot of things that you know, I knew I didn't want my kids to grow up seeing. And at that point, I had tried methamphetamine. And that took over my life. Um, now I split up with that him. We aren't divorced yet, but we're working on that. Um, we've been separated for a few years. Um, he has my youngest daughter as well. I just, my addiction just spiraled out of control from there. It was, you know, my kids were going to their dads on the weekends again. Um, I was involved with these other people from the motorcycle club that weren't the greatest people. So I was, you know what I mean? I was, I liked to make money. I liked to use and, um, it got to a point where I needed more and more and more. And it just was never enough. It got to a point where, you know, I couldn't live in my mobile home anymore. I had to get an apartment. So now I'm paying for both and there was just no way I could do that. Um, I was only seeing my kids now on the weekends. Um, my car got ruined. I was being evicted out of that apartment because they thought I OD'd. And eventually it led me to a breaking point where I knew I had to go to rehab. And it took me a good five years of using to do that. But um, eventually you get to that point where you're just done. You've just had enough. But one of the... I forgot to mention one of my breaking points was... Um, when my best friend killed herself. Oh my gosh. She um, pointed a gun at a cop and then killed herself. 
she had a lot of issues, but I am, I love to, um, talk about suicide awareness. Mm -hmm. That's just something that's been a big part of my life. I've also dealt with those things in my life too, Mm -hmm. those moments. So the one question I want to ask you before we talk about how you found yourself in Teen Challenge is um, as you were watching your mom struggle and your dad struggle with their addictions, what was your mindset towards substance use? Did you um, look up to that or did you have, I'm sure it was scary sometimes to see them that way. Talk to me about like how you saw substance use as a child and then maybe how that shifted as you got older. Well, when I was younger, I, with my mom, you know, we grew up knowing, knewing, knowing my mom was not allowed to drink. Like, she just was not allowed. If mom was drinking, that's wrong. I actually remember a time where it was right before, like, she would have little relapses, and then it would just be one, one, one where she was just gone for good. I remember a time when she took me to, she took my friend and I to camp. Um, it was my, like, grandpa's camp, and he has, like, a little spot um, in Ohio. And I remember my sister, my one of my older sisters, being like, Cassie, don't let um, mom drink. And I was, like, 12 years old at that point. Wow, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and I remember going, there's a pool, like, an in-ground pool at the campgrounds. I remember going swimming, and I came back, and my mom... You could, she just reeked of alcohol and she was just in that party mindset that my dad would talk about. Um, so now I'm like, mom, let me, you know, let me see what's in the can because she would put it in a different can to hide it from me because she knew I knew, you know what I mean? I just remember calling my dad and being like, dad, I don't know what to do. Like I let mom drink, like I fell short and I felt really responsible for that. And I don't think my sister at the time realized that like that was, I don't think she meant it like that. I think she was just like more or less trying to be like, watch out, you know? Um, I wanted to go home immediately because I knew it was wrong. But as I got older and my dad kept drinking, it was that I wanted to know what it, like what was all, you know what I mean? The curiosity. Like, the curi- I, yeah, I wanted to know what it was all about. And I, you know, I started drinking and I liked the way I felt when I would drink. Like, I would drink here and there in high school with my friends. But people don't talk about gateway drugs. But alcohol and marijuana are definitely gateway drugs, especially for me. Because one thing led to another and another. And I was, you know, I knew that Coke was the drug that my mom that helped her fall short and I wanted to try it and I fell in love with it. It was a no and then it led into a curiosity thing as I got older. The more I had um, opportunities with it, the more I wanted it. So what was the thing that was the turning point for you that finally made you decide that you needed to get help? My son being like, you know, mom, all you do is sleep. All you do is sleep. We never see you. And, and your son was seven when he said that to you? Yeah. Wow. Just knowing that, like, remembering what my mom put us through and knowing I needed to go to rehab mm-hmm. was scary for me because I remember going to visit my mom in rehab, staying the night with her at halfway house. And I remember what it felt like and being really confused, um, So just knowing that, like, my son was getting to be the same age I was when that was going on 
was definitely a breaking point. And like I said, losing everything was enough. Like when I was to the point where I had to go live with a friend, I didn't want to do that. I couldn't have my kids over. I couldn't, it was just too much for me. And I knew there had to be more to life than that. So how'd you find Teen Challenge? Well, I was dating a guy for about three and a half years. Um, his daughter is an addict as well. And she told me about Teen Challenge and I didn't think anything of it, but eventually I, um, called my insurance company and I knew I had to go somewhere far from Erie, Pennsylvania because I knew I would run. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, I had it mapped out in my head and I, so they, I said, I need somewhere like in Pennsylvania still, but, um, just somewhere that isn't near me. Mm -hmm. And they said, I absolutely recommend Teen Challenge. Uh, just don't go anywhere else. Just go to Teen Challenge. And I had already heard about it. So it was like, I felt like that was God kind of being like, you know, it's time. And when I had learned about Teen Challenge, I didn't know that my aunt lived only 35 minutes from wow. here. So, and she wouldn't come get me when I was trying to AMA in the beginning. She was like, nope, you're staying. And I knew that. I'm going to pause you for a second. So AMA means against medical advice. It's a term that we use to mean that someone in our program wants to leave the program. And that's against our advice because we would advise that you stay yeah. in the program. So what was going through your head when you were thinking about AMAing or leaving the program? So alone, so alone. I felt homesick. Um, I felt, you know, when you're coming off of drugs, certain drugs, some people feel sick. And when you're coming off methamphetamine, you have a lot of anxiety. Um, I just wanted to be back with my boyfriend and be, you know what I mean? Like be where I felt normal because that was uncomfortable for me. And, you know, growth is uncomfortable, but I just didn't know how I could do it at that point. Um, a few days went by and eventually I got more comfortable. I was okay. And I thought, you know, I'm leaving at 30 days. <laughs> Nope, that wasn't happening. My family called my counselor and they were like, she needs to stay for at least 90. And here I am 10 months later. So <laughs> so you pushed through. So what gave you the strength to keep pushing? God. Definitely God. I got saved December 19th, 2021. What was that like? How, how did that happen? That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I was in, I was, so I was at the Ravensburg campus for the first 30 days and then I went to the Philly house for, um, about two months and the director there, Greg, we went to his church and I just remember I was there, I was in the program for a little over a month. Um, and I just remember seeing these girls in this house that had a light and I wanted that light. I wanted that light so bad. Can you um, describe that light? What did that mean? They just loved each other. Like, no matter what, they just loved each other, and um, they just had so much joy. Like, I would look at them and be like, how are they sitting in rehab, and they're that happy? I don't understand. <laughs> and it was God. It was the Holy Spirit filling them up, and I was just, like, amazed by that. And I'll never forget, like, being in that church and them doing an altar call and getting saved that day was amazing holy spirit filling me for the first time that i can really remember was the best feeling i had chills i was 
my heart was filled with that joy that I wanted so badly. And it was amazing. That's awesome. So how have you carried that with you through the rest of your program? Remembering that we're supposed to persevere is a big thing. Um, perseverance, even though it's uncomfortable. And just, you know, asking God to guide me and just growing closer to Him. Um, I no longer felt lonely because of the relationship that I built with Him. I no longer, you know, the sisters in the house became my sister's family. Like, I call that place home. <laughs> um you know, having joy and just remembering even in the hard times, like this is just a season. This is just a day, a bad day, praising God through that. And he's been so faithful and um, just all the little miracles that have happened in my life. You know, even though my children are six hours away, God's made a way for me to not go longer than two months without seeing them throughout the entire program. And just so being grateful, remembering that things could be worse and that salvation is you know just amazing and um my whole life is different you know looking back to a year ago I was a hundred pounds I was it was scary um but just now knowing like how much my life has changed in the last 10 months is amazing so and like knowing things didn't happen overnight like it took and it still does, but and it's still going to for the rest of my life. But every day, you know, you're learning something new and putting in the effort and um, just watching everything unfold like so in such a great way. Just watching, being patient and watching the the little miracles happen, like I said, and you know, happening in time and, and I feel like that taught me patience to like okay God I know it's in your timing I know I need to be patient because it's gonna be in your timing and just knowing his will is any great is way greater than any will I have of my own is was definitely something that was a learning process for me but it's helped me build my build my faith in him what are some of the tools that you've learned that you're going to take with you Wait 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? What do you okay. mean by wait 30 minutes? This more applies in here, but it also can apply like if you're in a state of relapse. Mm. Um, wait 30 minutes. Eventually, you know, the thought of leaving or the thought of using will leave your mind. Just wait 30 more minutes. is been a big thing for me um, because there's so many times where I wanted to leave and I would just look at that clock and wait 30 minutes and eventually I was able to come to a place where I'm like okay it was just a, a bad hour yeah you know I don't need to leave I don't need to go use another thing is prayers praying you know my faith in God and just learning about what it is that you face daily like you know demons in your mind what you face on a daily basis like I said codependency has been a very big struggle for me so I read a lot about it and learn about it because I feel like when you know how to tackle it you're gonna come out way better and I feel like that's something that I've been doing a lot is reading about codependency learning about how to overcome it because it's been hard very hard I had a moment last night I have a 11 year old son and I had this moment of frustration with him and I'm like how do I change this behavior that he's having and I immediately was like oh this 
is happening between us because of my own codependency, you know, and, and applying those kinds of things. We don't always think about it outside of maybe like a romantic relationship, but codependency influences all of our relationships. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's much more of a common issue than people think, honestly. So, and that's something I've learned. Um, so really just facing thing head, facing things head on has been my, a big thing for me. My counselor has been amazing and She's like, that's what you do, Cassie. You face things head on as they're coming at you. You pray about them. And I'm very grateful someone sees that in me. So what are your hopes for the future? So my hopes for the future are I'm supposed to graduate in November, and I'm very excited for that. I want to go back to school. What are you going to study? I want to become a drug and alcohol counselor. And that has been my dream since before I ever started using wow um because of my mom i just want to help other people i just want to help people know that they're you know they're not alone and that i feel like being an addiction and relating to them is um something that will help them feel more comfortable as well and i would like to get back on track with uh, my aunt owns a cleaning business so i'm going to work with her while i go to school i'm very grateful for her she's been very big blessing and eventually just to like you know learn new things try new things be able to just enjoy life with my kids and take them to church every Sunday and help build their faith and um, enjoy life without using enjoy life clean and to be happy and a child of God um okay so my next question for you is how have you seen uh, your kids starting to learn more about faith and how have you introduced that concept to them? On my passes, on my home passes, um, when they come, if we have an overnight, I take them to church. On this last home pass that I had, they were getting upset because it was time to go meet their dad so that they could head home. And I was like, well, let's just pray that God gives us the strength to get through this last period of time where we're apart from each other. You know, and they calmed down right after that. We prayed, and it was very sweet. Um, and I'm like, see, God's got this. We've gotten through this far, and just, you know, just have faith that he will bring peace through this time. I used to have really bad anxiety in the car because that's how my mom passed away was in a car accident. Um, so my daughter's used to that with me, and she, in the car, on the way to meet their dad, was actually, like, hyperventilating. And I'm like, listen, even it's okay, you know. I'm like, God's not going to let anything happen to us. And so to see that where I used to be hyperventilating in the car to where where I had that faith in God, I think she calmed right down. And I think that really helped her. You know what I mean? I just want them to see that faith. It's so awesome to see how God is breaking the cycle in your family and that it's starting with you and that your trust and faith in him is what's going to carry that through. It's really yeah neat to see like this moment in time. Because of everything I went through with my mom, I'm very big on breaking the generational curses. Um, and that's a big goal of mine is to break that generational curse on both sides of my family. You just see addiction. It's, it's, there's a lot in my family, but um, I have faith that I'm supposed to be a part of that breaking that generational curse. What would you, what would you uh, say to people right now who are struggling? How would you give them hope? You just have to surrender. You just have to have some faith and that everything's going to be okay and just give it to God and 
God makes a way, he paves a way for you to be able to get through it. Um, every concern that I had, a mobile home, storage units, six hours away, everything God has taken care of. And then some, God's blessed me throughout this journey. And so if you think that it's not possible, it's possible. It's definitely possible and it's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. What a word. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing, Cassandra. I appreciated so much talking to you and learning more about your story and your life. And just it's so evident what God is doing in you and through you. So thanks again. Before we close the show, we like to talk about the habits that we're making this week that are helping us find wholeness in our lives. Cassandra, what's your wholeness habit of the week? Memorizing scripture is a very big, important wholeness habit for me. In the program, we have to memorize scripture, but also, like, I like to make it a habit of my own, so. Do you have a verse you're working on this week? Yeah, my uh, life verse is 2 Corinthians 8, 11. It's basically talking about being eager to finish what you start, yeah. so. Even if we don't remember it word for word, I think the practice of memorizing scripture just kind of gets the what ideas I mean. into your heart, you know? So, yeah, it's definitely a beneficial habit. So my habit this week is I learned about this Christian artist last fall, his name is John Mark Pantana, and I listened to him all through the fall, all through the winter, and then got into like my spring and summer music, but I'm getting back into it for the fall. He's a great poetic artist, a lot of acoustic music, and uh, so that's my habit is listening to more John Mark Pantana. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And to those of you listening, don't forget to leave us a comment or email us with a question at abovebeyond at paatc.org. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us. The Above and Beyond Recovery Podcast is a production of Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge. If you or a loved one needs help with addiction, call us now at 844-888-8085 or find us online at paatc.org. That information is also in our show notes. Join us next time as we continue the conversation.